All right, rad dads out there. Tonight, I am by myself, but I do have a special guest. Our guest tonight is an incredible individual, a rad dad who was world-renowned motivational speaker and life coach who has presented to over 1.6 million people in 43 countries. Known as the commander in change by his clients, Scott Chesney is a navigator of life with paralysis for nearly 37 years after awakening to paralysis at the age of 15 from a sudden spinal stroke. Scott has amassed a resume of transformational experiences, powerful insights, and inspiring stories that cut to the core of the human spirit. Scott is married with two children and resides in the lovely state of New Jersey. Please welcome to our show, Scott Chesney. Hey, Rob, great to be with you. The audience knows that you already have two kids, but what are their ages? So my daughter, Nia, will be 21 in November, and my son, Ray, will be 18 in May. Oh, wow. One of each. So you've already gotten through the teenage years. Now you have the early 20s and college years. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> That's awesome. uh, how, how did becoming a father change your life and what has it taught you? It, it's actually what I've wanted more than anything. Um, so I uh, awakened to paralysis. One thing that your listeners can't see or hear is that, you know what, uh, I sit here in a wheelchair right now. And uh, when I was 15, I just awakened to paralysis and I was told I would never walk again. And I was told that I would never be able to father my own children. So being able to father my own children is actually more important to me than walking again. So I went from a 2% chance to a 55% chance. And again, be absolutely open to adopting a child that would still be my child. But from a biological standpoint, I wanted to have my own children. And I succeeded, which just let me know anything is possible. I just, uh, I wanted to have that experience. I, I love children and I uh, was just so thrilled to know that uh, I would have an opportunity to have my own. That's absolutely amazing. One of the challenges we face as dads is the work-life balance. How, how have you been able to effectively build your business and become a life coach and a motivational speaker and, and obtain that balance or not obtain it? Well, it was interesting. About six months before my daughter came into this world, for the first time in my life, I went and saw a psychiatrist. And not that anything major was going on in my life. I just wanted to be the best dad possible, not to bring too much of my own baggage, my own issues, in which I still have to this day, but see how much of it I can unload. So I wasn't dumping it on my daughter and eventually my son. So, um, and part of that too is I've run my own business now for uh, 23 years. I'm a motivational speaker and life coach, and uh, it's very demanding and it requires a lot of travel. It requires a lot of like time, just as any business that um, you devote to, especially one that you run on your own. So, but I absolutely made the time because I realized that that work life balance, it's not necessarily 50% work and 50% like your personal life. Sometimes there's going to be a perfectly imperfect imbalance. And uh, that's what I created. So I was able to coach my kids, um, both in their basketball teams. I was able to be a, a supportive fan because they're both involved in sports and, and be proactive in their lives, going back to back to school nights and, and doing whatever I can. But there were those moments when I would travel and, you know, what work called where, um, you know, what whether it was FaceTime or not being there at all is that I missed certain events, not many, um, but they understood this is what dad does. And they understood from the very beginning. And when they got a little bit older, they started traveling with me as well as my wife did. 
so they got to see what I did firsthand um, as well. So um, all I, I've always said, Rob, from uh, day one is that, you know, the best classroom in the world is the world and the best um, classes are life experiences. And, and that's all we try to give our children. What challenges have you faced raising your children? What challenges I, have I faced? Um, well, from the physical standpoint, that was difficult. Again, being a paraplegic and having to use a wheelchair, not necessarily having a lot of balances that um, I knew there were going to be some things that I can't do. And uh, I'll never forget one of those experiences is that we had our first snowfall here in New Jersey and my wife was going to go out and shovel. I'm not very good at doing that <laughs> anymore. Um, and so uh, Nia was very little at the time and she was actually in a playpen. And I told my wife, I was like, listen, if there's any problem, I will come get you. And um, but all of a sudden my wife went out there to shovel and right away Nia started crying. So I remember looking at her in the bottom of this playpen. And as I told you, balance issues, like I don't have my abdominal muscles. I don't have my lower back. So balance is an issue. So I remember reaching down into the playpen and just grabbing her onesie from right here and everything. I probably had like her little undershirt and everything else. And I just looked at her and I was like, Nia, we have to do this together. Like I can't have you flop in your neck. And I'm kind of looking at her and her eyes are connected. And I start lifting her up. And then when I get to a certain place, then I could put my other arm around her. And so she's there and she was crying for a little bit and then she was fine. And I just kept her there. My wife came in. She's like, how did you do that? So I explained it to her. And the beautiful thing, Rob, is that I, and I just think it was like the, my, my children not knowing anything different, but dad having uh, paralysis and having a disability is that my son was the same way. And they knew what needed to be done in terms of when I had to change their diapers. Cause I'm, a, I'm hands-on. I've always been hands-on. And obviously there's some things that I have challenges doing, but I'm very hands-on. So I'm one of those people that I'm, I'm going to find a way, but I want to be as helpful as possible and everything. So I, I would say having to deal with that. But then as my kids got older, I, I think it's just my, my patience. So while I'm very patient and looking to walk again after 37 years of being paralyzed, I also need like more patience to realize not everyone, starting with my children and my wife, are wired the same way I am. So you know what? I, I, I heard recently someone say that's just important as the words, I love you, or um, I hear you. And so I realized that sharing those words, like hearing and sometimes repeating what they have to say to give me time to plot what I need to do and how I need to navigate. I think that's very important because as a speaker, I mean, I love to talk, but what I've realized through my audiences, through my children, through my wife is that listening is just as important when it comes to communication. Taking notes about that, I hear you. We did an episode recently where we talked about how important was building bonds between children, your children and, and the parents, one of the things that we talked about was affection, you know, touching, mm -hmm. saying, I love you, making sure your kids know you appreciate them and know that, know how you feel about them because they don't always, you know. Absolutely. And, and Rob is that, and I make it a point of, and beginning with fathers is that when I see a father connecting with his or her child, um, like I, I will just like, do whatever I can. Like I will say, Hey, can we grab a cup of coffee? Can we um, get together? Can we talk? Because you know what? I am learning. I'm constant. The moment I stop learning is the moment you put me in the ground. 
So if I see a father that has that great connection with his child is that I want to learn from him. I want to spend a little time with him. Obviously, I'm going to customize it and make it my own. But uh, I, I learn from other fathers. And with regards to affection, um, I, I didn't have a father. I had one of those fathers that when you knew you did something wrong, you knew you did something wrong and wasn't all about praise and the love. Every once in a while, you got a little hug and stuff like this. And I just realized that, you know, that was the way my dad was. And I know a lot of people try to go in the opposite direction if they didn't get something from their parents. Whereas, you know, I will absolutely put a stop to something in terms of someone being raised a certain way and like, okay, I have to continue on and carry the legacy. I don't have to do that. I've taken a lot of wonderful things that my father um, shared with me. And from what I've heard, his father shared with him. And then there's um, a different direction that I've gone in. And so uh, I'm also super affectionate. And, and this is the interesting thing is that I'm very affectionate, like with my son, my daughter is just not very affectionate in general. And, and, and that's fine. So it's just, that's another thing. When you want to be a certain way and you are a certain way, just understand just as you're an individual and have your own uniqueness is that so does your child and you have to respect that. So I think with my daughter, absolutely. It, it's being there. It's being present. I realized more than anything with my daughter is like wanting to make sure like you're just not nodding your head and everything, but you are listening to her and getting back to like, I, I hear you. And almost to the point where like, you know, I, I have to be present in the moment. I can't be dwelling on something that maybe happened five minutes ago before a conversation. And I can't be too preoccupied with the future because if I'm missing out on that moment, especially with my daughter being the age she is right now, she's going to call me out on it. And so I realized that, you know what, that's so important. Whereas my son's kind of like, dad, you didn't, you didn't hear me. <laughs> and they'll just like bring it to my attention. It's not that like, I don't care anything. I mean, I'm probably borderline ADD. So I meant, and I don't play that card to play that card, but um, you know what? I, I need to kind of take that deep breath to focus and, and to realize whatever it is that they're sharing with me is important to them. And because it's important to them, it's important to me. Yeah, it makes sense. And yeah. And being present is, is a big thing. We, we talk about it all the time and it's crazy. It's, it's one of those things where you come home from work or you come back from a work trip and you come home and all right, you got to check email. You're doing this, you're doing that, you know, your friends texting you, but the people who are in that house, who are trying to talk to you and, and interact with you. Probably the most, you know, at four, four people, three people that you should be dealing with. Right. It's, it's very important to give them that time because I think about it all the time. I'm like, man, I just, these kids need to go to bed. Like I'm exhausted today. And I'm thinking, and then I think in the back of my mind, I'm like, my oldest is turning 12 at the end of this month. I only have like six, seven more years of him living in the house. And when you put it in that regard, you're like, oh my God, what that that's nuts. Like that's right. I've spent the last 12 years, you know, focusing on him and you know, doing everything for, for my two kids and, and really, you know, spending a lot of time and making decisions because of them. And then you think in six years, they're going to, you know, go out and go to college and you know do their own thing and become their own person. And you're like, yep. wow, okay, I need to take a step back and focus on these guys. <laughs> and Rob, you, you hit it right on the head is that, and that's what I do in my life coaching practice as well as when I'm speaking to dads who are in my audience is that it's like, take that moment before you enter the house, whether it's a deep breath whether it's just sitting out in that car for five minutes and just gathering yourself. And even if you do come into that house and you're still feeling either on edge, tired or whatever, 
I'm finding more and more is that like to get in front of it. So there'll be times and just saying, Hey guys, I'm exhausted. This has nothing to do with you. I apologize if I'm not fully present. I'm apologizing if it like feels like I'm not listening or something like that. So I get in front of it and I, they've, and I've done this for a while now. And so they understand that, you know what, it's okay to be off. It's okay. Like my, my kids have seen me cry tears of sadness and tears of joy and everything in between. I, I was asked a long time ago, Rob, from uh, an audience member is like, what would be the best word that someone could use to describe you? Which I thought was like an awesome question. And this absolutely applies to parenthood too, is that the word for me that came up was real. It's like the more real that I can be with my emotions, the more real that I can be with how I'm feeling in that moment is that the more that I can connect with my kids, with my wife, with anyone in this world. And what that does too, is that that gives them, because obviously we're their teachers, we're their first teachers, uh, the parents. And so they're watching us. I'm not saying they're replicating or duplicating what we're doing, but they're watching us. We have tremendous influence. So we need to give them permission to say, you know, I'm having, and I have this phrase, no more bad days, only challenging moments for me. So I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm having a real challenging moment right now. I'm having a real like tough time getting my, and sometimes I'll talk it up with the kids. That's a, that's one of the things that we do at the dinner table from time to time, rather than like, how's your day? Fine. How's this good? We say, what was the best, what was the best part of your day? And then we'll go around the table. And what was the most challenging part of your day? And then ask kind of like, hey, you want some advice on maybe how to navigate that a little bit better or you want to figure it out on your own? Sometimes we want to figure it out on our own. Sometimes, you know, yeah, you know, I'm going to put it out to the family. Um, I want to know what's going on. But I think that stimulates dialogue because I know that having conversations with our kids, especially when they turn to those teenage years, becomes difficult. It becomes difficult. I mean, and we want to go beyond the one word answers. And sometimes like we don't want, we don't want to offer up more than one word ourselves from time to time. So whatever we can do to stay engaged, um, I, I think that's the best way of maintaining and growing that connection with our children. Yeah. And I would say, it, you know, for someone who already went through those teenage years, it does, it does change, right? It changes because you have this great connection with this child and then they go into their teenage years and now you have to navigate as they, you know, as all their hormones develop and as they hit these, these peaks and valleys is like, how do I keep that bond that I've spent effort, you know, not efforts, I've put in a ton of effort over the last 12, 13 years. Now it's this person's becoming, you know, an adult and they're getting their own points of view. They're getting a lot of hormones. They don't know how to handle certain situations. How do I keep that bond? How do I keep that closeness with my child? Like, do you have any advice for our our audience or around that? Just to, to, to really be present. And I think what you're just saying is, is so important is just understanding whether you like it or not, the dynamics of your relationship are going to change and things that maybe even that you used to do together. Um, maybe you're not going to do it anymore. Maybe they've grown out of it. Um, but in terms of like having that meal, meal sharing interests, um, opening yourself up to new experiences um, where I have probably gotten the most joy in traveling with them as a family, but also individually is traveling, like getting on a plane, going some places and um, which has been awesome because then they kind of like see what I have to do. And then I see how they troubleshoot, which I um, life from time to time. I, I think that's so important, but it's, it's, it's staying present. It's understanding. It's getting to know their friends. 
It's understanding forming good relationships with their friends too and understanding doesn't necessarily mean you have to always, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be, but you don't always, always have to be the rad dad. Sometimes the rad dad is being silent. Sometimes the rad dad is just driving while the kids and their friends are talking in the background and not having to be the one talking and offering up questions. I think that's so important is that just being there sometimes. And I know that's difficult because sometimes we feel like we need to fix things. We need to troubleshoot for them is that no, you know, and that this is the good thing, Rob, when I think of like old school parents is that like kid got knocked down and was on the ground and everything is that they weren't always so quick to go pick them up and dust them off. It was almost like they were watching us from the sidelines and saying, let's see how he or she uh, navigates this and how they get up from this. And again, knowing full well that if we needed to, meaning our parents, they would be there for us. But there's something to be said for that. And again, I, I don't want to generalize, but we're very quick. We don't want to see our, see our kids get hurt. We don't want to see them struggle. We don't want to see them fail. But if we look back on our lives and we realize where our real growth experiences were, it was those moments then when we failed, when we fell down, when things didn't go our way. And they were there like unconditionally, but they weren't necessarily fixing things. They were being supportive but they weren't necessarily fixing things. And so if that resonates and everything, and I know there might be a lot of parents out there saying, well, I know better and I know how to fix it. Is that, wow, is that that's part of the growth experience is that how would we know success if we didn't know failure? How would we know pleasure if we didn't know pain? So to prevent them from having those experiences, which isn't easy, I'm not saying it's always easy, but you don't ever want to prevent them from having a growth experience. You'd see a lot of means out there that will say, you know, your greatest learning experience comes through a failure, which I think, I still think is true is, you know, if, if something goes wrong, if something breaks, you learn the most when you're trying to fix it. Like it's, if you do something wrong and you're, and you know, you have to, you have to course correct and you have to figure out how to move forward that that's when you're at your, I don't know, either, either you're at your best or you're at your most critical thinking, but you're learning through that experience. Rob, I, I, and I've, I've traveled the world now. I've been to 43 countries. I've been to a lot of places, not every place, but I've been to a lot of places and I've conducted research. What makes human beings tick? Why do we act the way that we do? Through all my research, I realize there's only one positive thing that we can do with our past. Only one. And that's learn from it. And so we can learn through our kids. We can do that, but we can also learn through our own experiences. So we're not dumping it on our kids, but I, you know what, probably going to get a lot of responses for this one. I compare like parenting to like heaven and hell. I can, I'll use the word hell and I won't use it lightly is that apps. But here's the thing is that while some of my greatest moments have been through parenting and some of my deepest hells have been through parenting as well. And I would not have it any other way because in both those times of heaven and those times of hell, that's where I've learned so much about myself. And I know I keep talking about like working on yourself. And I realize that when I get to know myself better, when I connect with myself on deeper levels, that makes me a better dad. That makes me a better husband. That makes me a better worker, better friend, all these other titles. But it's when there's this disconnect from oneself. That's when we struggle with these other titles in life, including parenthood. And while again, there's, there, there's no manual, there's no like one way to parent is that 
you know, when we do have our own stuff that we're working through is that it's the last thing our kids need is, is to necessarily help us work on it when they're working through their own stuff. Yeah, I agree. So a couple of things there, which I, one of them actually leads right into one of my questions, but I'm going to skip that for now. I'm going to come back to <laughs> come back to it. But you talk about discovering oneself and really getting to know oneself and how that really is important to be, being a good dad and a good husband and you know, a good, all the other titles that come with it. How do you do that? What, what is, what do you teach or what do you advise people to do to actually obtain that? Well, what I'm realizing in the world is today is that there's a lot of depression and there's a lot of anxiety and some people will kind of attach it to parenthood, but I think it goes much deeper. I feel, and again, there's so much more that goes into both depression and anxiety, but I think depression is, you know, it's spending too much time in the past and dwelling on the past. And again, if you're not learning from it, then you're spiraling and there's some type of negative energy. So it's almost like make peace with the past. Like I, I look at you right now, Rob, and everything, and I realize that every single experience, every single event, every single choice that I have made in my nearly 53 years of living has led me up to you, speaking and hopefully helping a lot of people right now and everything. Why would I want to change anything? So, but I'm, the moment that you can take full responsibility for all of this is the moment that you're free, not only in your mind, but you're free here in your heart. And that's when you can subscribe to the belief that anything is possible. And then the anxiety is that there are too many people who are spending time like in the future and I'm all for planning and strategizing and everything. But you know what? You don't have control over that. So where does that bring us? That brings us back to the moment. This is where connection is made. And you talk to parents is that it's probably one of the biggest things that they want is a connection to their child. And the, the best advice that I can say is that find that connection within yourself. So, you know what, you understand, you know, what, why you made certain choices the way you did, where you were in your life, how that experience led you to that experience. Like, I mean, I, I think about becoming paralyzed at age 15. While like there's a part of me that wishes like that never happened. I realize all the gifts, all the messages, all the lessons that living from this wheelchair each and every day have taught me. And with regards to my kids, they don't know any different, but their dad to be in a wheelchair. So I feel that through this experience, they've become even more um, uh, compassionate. They've become more empathetic. They've become more sensitive, more in tune with people with disabilities. So I, I'm like, that's a good thing. Does it mean that like there's certain things that dad can't do? I mean, I, I used to struggle when I would go like to local parks or something. and I'd see like fathers carrying their kids on their necks and like hopping and doing all these physical things with them. And I would be like, oh, like sometimes it would like break my heart. But then I realized I would have my own unique way of connecting. I actually taught both of my children how to swim, not having the use of my legs. And so they were like, whoa, wait a minute. How's he doing that? And I realized that like the more my body floats and the more activity I give my arms, the more my legs will follow. So I got them doing like swimming without actually using their legs at first. And I was like, oh, by the way. You got those legs back there, start kicking and everything. You're going to see how much easier this experience is. So just a different way. So I, I, I absolutely um, believe that, you know what, our, our, our children are some of our greatest teachers. And, I, and, that, and that's what I would share as well, is that while we see ourselves as teachers, as parents, and yes, we are on the front line and we're the first teachers in our children's lives, open yourself up to being their student 
because they are going to teach. I'm not saying let them run the household, let them dictate, but wow, do our children have so much, especially when they're younger. I know we've talked because my kids are a little bit older now, but they were, when they were younger, I was realizing, wow, it's beautiful to see like a child who's like fascinated, fascinated by this butterfly. Next moment, they're crying hysterically because they bum their knee. And then in the next moment, that butterfly's back. What's going on? Nothing's going on with my knee. (laughs) And it's just, they're so in the moment. They're not taking really anything seriously. And I just, there's something to be said in which, you know what? Okay. And then there became a time where they started thinking more and fear entered the equation, which in some ways is maybe good. In some ways, nah, I love that innocence of a child who is somewhat fearless in many ways. So again, I I just, I can't stop being a teacher just based on my own actions and what I share with my children. But I also make it a point to absolutely be a student because um, class is always in session when you're parenting. I definitely agree. And I think as you're, you're talking about when kids are younger, I think I, I thought about this a lot when I was a, a younger father. And, you know, when you have that small child who can't do anything, it really changes your perspective. And, and the amount of like, I love my wife, but the amount of love I have for my children is beyond anything I thought I could have for any, any other person in the world. And it's, it's crazy. Like, it's crazy because you don't realize it until it happens. And like when my first son was born, I was like, what is this? This thing just cries, it eats, it poops, and I got to clean it. I was like, I've never had a dog. I never had anything. So like, I was like, <laughs> oh my God. And then like, you just, you get that connection and you're like, what just, what, what just happened? Yeah. And it's, it's absolutely amazing. And then as they grow up, you do, you learn a lot and it makes you a better, at least for me, I think it made, and, and for a lot of dads out there, it makes you a better person because it changes how you want to be portrayed. It changes how people, you want people to look at you because your child's looking at you. Um, you know, and it's, it's a constant, it's a constant battle. You have battles with yourself on how you want to handle things. And, and, you know, you don't always think about how your kid's going to react to it or how your kid's going to view it, but then now you start, now you have to, I, you got to think about, all right, my kid saw me doing this. What what would he think? (laughs) Crap. (laughs) Okay. I got to rethink this. Rob, I think it's unconditional love though. So I, I, you have a certain level of unconditional love for your wife. I have it for my wife. And then based on, I think the neediness, especially when they're younger and they're growing up, that unconditional love that you end up having for your children. And if our wives were talking now, they would say, yeah, I have that for my, my husband. And yeah, it's much deeper for my kids. I, and I think that's just, it's logical. I, I can't compare it or whatever. I put it in two separate categories, but it is something that is just amazing. Um, what we can develop and realizing that, you know, we can love someone that much. And that gets back to what you were saying before is that that same love that you show your significant other, that same love that you show your children, you know, why can't you show it to yourself? And so one of the exercises I have people doing, and, and it involves a child, I said, I want you to picture right now holding an infant in your arms. And there's a part of you that's not going to do anything other than love this child. It can do no wrong in your arms right now. I said, now imagine putting your face on that child. 
that there, again, nothing you can do except love that child. But we're so tough on ourselves. We hold ourselves prisoners of the past. And, um, but yet we don't hold anyone else to that real tight standard. And so I, I think that's where we have to like loosen the reins somewhat. I mean, obviously do work on yourself and try to, again, make peace with the past, have good intentions for the future, but also kind of loosens the reins. Uh, one of the things I do, and I do with a lot of parents is that they, um, a lot of moms recently, and I know this applies to dads too, that, but they share with me to-do lists um, with regards to what they have to do as a parent. And sometimes I'll see these lists and I'll be like, there's no way you're going to get done with this. And so I was like, if you don't get done with this list, I'm not a good parent. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I was like, did you say I love you to your child today? Yes. Did you give them like three square meals and probably a snack and everything today? Yes. Did you do their laundry or like make dinner? And yes. And everything. And I was like, did you tuck them in at night? Yes. I was like, you're not only a good parent, you're an awesome parent. Like all these other things and everything. So it, it's a matter of having certain standards. I always say have attainable standards, like what needs, and basically what I just shared with you, those would be the standards. So you're getting those done each and every day. Then we have, so uh, attainable standards, lofty goals. If there's more that you want to do as a parent and get things done, absolutely have goals, have aspirations. You want to teach them a different language. You want to do, uh, you want to travel with them, have different goals that you want. Absolutely. But the standards each day, what you're setting yourself up with, not just a good, I'm a great parent and I can be, but so it's, it's gratitude, which is a, a huge part of my message with my children, with my wife, but just in life in general of, you know what, there's so much Rob that I want and I want as a parent, um, I want for my children, I want, but I always say something's got to be a little bit stronger than this wanting. And it's what it is that we have. So if nothing changed, and I'm talking to everyone out there right now, if nothing changed about your life with your children right now, how awesome, I don't mean good, I don't mean it's okay, but how awesome is it to be a parent, to have your children be so perfectly imperfect, to be the perfectly imperfect father, how awesome is it? And just letting that sit on your heart for a minute and knowing that it's not going to prevent you from like being even better, doing even better. It's actually going to motivate you. It's going to be an incentive for you to say, wow, this is great. And you're telling me you can get even better. That's going to kick it into overdrive and help you go that extra mile. That's amazing. So one of the things you talked about before is I believe you've been to 43 country, different countries. 43 countries now. Yep. All right. So how has so many different cultures and meeting so many different people impacted how you parent? It's, it, it's, it's gratitude. It's gratitude at first because there's so many places that I've traveled to in which I saw broken homes. I saw poverty. I saw like so much. And yet, and it, it, it's interesting, Rob, that you bring this up. So the first place I traveled to was India. Now, India is my home away from home. My wife is actually from India, moved here when she was seven years old, is that I loved it so much. And if I had a nickel for everyone who told me, don't go there, 
there's so much poverty, there's so much crime, there's so much violence. Probably 95%, if not more of them had never been to India, but based on what they've seen on TV and all the um, opinions that they offered up. Um, so anyway, I ended up going there. And I remember I had a short drive in Mumbai to my hotel at Mumbai airport. And I remember looking at my car window and absolutely being in a place of judgment and just like looking at these people and seeing like poverty, like I'd never seen before. And all of a sudden I kind of just shook my head. I was like, I got to change the lenses in my eyes right now because I can't be in a place of feeling sorry. And all of a sudden I started connecting with eyes. And all of a sudden, I was just blown away by the set. I'm not saying everybody's set of eyes. The set of eyes that were put in my life at that time that I connected with just blew my mind. And then I saw a group of kids running down the street with a beat up bicycle tire and a stick. And they were twirling it down the street. They were laughing, having so much fun and so much in the moment. I don't know what it is like to have a football, a basketball, some kind of like go-kart, uh, video games, whatever it is. So they were in such appreciation for the beat up bicycle tire and this stick that I was like, wow. And it just blew my mind. So that in terms of constantly trying to reinforce what it is that we have in our lives. The wanting is great. The wanting is great. You want to create more in your life. You, you want to work. You want to have an allowance. Now the kids have jobs and so forth. I mean, that's fine. But always be in appreciation for what it is that you have. And um, it, traveling definitely taught me that. Um, and it also taught me just the, the respect of other people. And um, to understand that, you know, we all came into this world with one title. And that was human being. And so the more that I can understand how another human being is operating, the more I can maintain that connection with them and realizing that like parenting's different in some of these other countries, almost like the old school we were talking about is that like the kids left out, um, went out to play, went to the local park and did all that. Whereas today it's like, no, it's like, I need to see you and you need to be within a certain mile radius. And I don't trust the world. Many parts of the world, there's this always been and always will be is that, you know what, I have to have that kind of trust. So it, it, it's all these experiences and then experience all different religions and having the utmost respect for all of them and realizing how uh, for some people like religion um, is everything and it's the cornerstone, and the foundation to a family. And then also understanding in which do you just have some type of spirituality and so forth is that that's how people are raised and to be in less judgment as possible. Bottom line is that if you're treating yourself with respect and others with re with respect, who am I to judge how you've gotten there? Who am I to judge how you're parenting? Um, so yeah, I, I again, greatest classroom in the world um, has been the world, absolutely in traveling. Yeah, the reason I even thought of this question is because I've traveled a lot, but I think what opened my eyes the most was the first time I I lived in Netherlands. And just the difference of how people view the rest of the world from a European feel versus an American feel. It was very, very different. And yeah. I don't speak the language. I cannot speak Dutch, nor did I even try. But they spoke English. So it made it a lot. It made it very easy. But it is much different culture than it is in the United States. And I've been to India. And I will tell you, it is very, 
and has a lot of poverty, but there is a lot of beauty in India and a lot of it, it's undeveloped. Just like there is in America, it's just, you got to find it and you got to connect with it. And I was lucky enough to go see the Mysore Palace, the Summer Palace, and spent a week in Bangalore. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, I love it. I love it. Yeah. And again, if if you do have the means and and some people don't to, to travel with your children and everything. Um, I mean, there's, there's plenty of places here in the United States, but if you have the chance to go overseas and again, experience life that way, I mean, it's wonderful. I can't wait. My, my daughter is going to be studying abroad. She's probably going to be in the Netherlands, which she's looking forward to. And, um, so she's been to Australia by herself. My son's been to China. We've been over to Europe and different places. So, um, yeah, they have a lot more on their passports than I did when I was their age. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I was lucky coming out of college to get a job where I was able to travel a lot. So that was, that was very nice. That's awesome. I love so it. We are on to the rapid fire round. Favorite book. Oh, the peaceful warrior by Dan Millman. Favorite food. Buffalo wings. From any particular place. Oh, um, you know, the, the best I ever had was up in Buffalo. Um, at, um, was it Jim Kelly's play? I think it's Jim's still. Jim Kelly, the um, the former uh, Buffalo Bills yeah. quarterback, but that's where the Buffalo wing originated. But it's very difficult for me to find bad wings. I yeah. always put some sauce or something on them. <laughs> True. Uh, favorite sports team? Ooh, um, Dallas Cowboys. You're from New Jersey. How can you I know? I know. Cowboys? Maybe that's why I'm in a wheelchair. I. <laughs> you know what? Well, well, let me explain real quick because I'm a. I, I played quarterback for the football team, baseball and basketball before I became paralyzed. And I played wheelchair sports as well. So all my New Jersey folks, New York folks out there who get very upset with me is that um, in every sport, whoever my favorite player played for when I was a little kid, that became my favorite team. So I was a big Roger Staubach fan. And because I played quarterback and I had a chance to meet him and everything. So then when someone would retire is that then when I find a new favorite player on that team and everything. So that's the reason for the Dallas Cowboy fan, not the bandwagon, not all that. So. <laughs> Got it. I mean, I drive, not similar story. When I went to UGA, I dropped Notre Dame like a bad habit. That was right. <laughs> I was like, Notre Dame who? Okay. I love it. I love uh, it. Uh, favorite dad moment. Favorite dad moment. Um. <laughs> I can't even believe I'm saying this. So I lived in Miami, Florida for three and a half years. Um, My son and I, when he was little, I think he was about five years old. We went down to Miami. I had some work down there. And then we went to see a Miami Heat basketball game because we wanted to see our uh, favorite player, LeBron James, play. And so uh, we took the tram that I didn't take too much when I was living there because I drove a lot of places and we made a couple wrong turns and we were not in the right place. And all of a sudden, like you could just tell that, you know what, the place like reeked of urine and that was dark and everything. And I just remember just there with my son's big brown eyes and just holding his hands. And I said, champ, we're going to get out of this. And he goes, I know dad. I know. And he still, to this day, remembers that and everything. So maybe that's part of his troubleshooting and everything. But it, And now, his, well, his mom knows and everything, but I don't think we told her that story <laughs> at the very beginning. But um, no, she definitely knows about that. And she'll be watching this, of course. <laughs> that's awesome. That's one. Favorite vacation spot? Ooh, that I've been to with the family or that I want to go with the family. Either or. 
both. Okay. Um, so I, I'm going to say that I would love to get my family to Portugal. Um, country that I love, food that I love. We have some great friends. There. I was supposed to go there for my 50th, but because of the pandemic, we didn't get there. So I want to go there with them. Favorite place that we traveled as a family? I have to say when we went, um, we were in Europe. So we were in France, we were in England and uh, just had a blast. And that was just a few years ago. So That's awesome. England's one. Of Not good at the rapid fire. I speak too much. I know. <laughs> I know. It's, I'm bad at asking the questions because I ask follow-up questions. Um, <laughs> Best bad, uh, best dad joke. Best dad joke. Uh, you know what? I shared this with you. I, I just love that my kids see me as a joke from time to time. Um, and, uh, and, and I get it. I know that they say dad like talks too much or dad forgets from time to time. But when it comes to great parking, and that, those are probably great dad moments too, when the kids like see everybody lining up at Disney World and everything and having to wait in that sweltering heat. Good old dad in that wheelchair, like has a like clear path and everything. So yeah, you know what? This is very important to understand because when they travel like um, separately, not with me, they realize how good they have it traveling with their dad in a wheelchair, <laughs> front of the lines, different things and everything. So yet yeah, the wheelchair, you know what? Heaven and hell. Another thing that's heaven and hell, but they they'll tell you about the heavens. <laughs> that's great. Where can our listeners find you? They can go to my website. So it's www.scottschesney.com. And on there, you could see um, all different things. Um, you can find out all my social media handles on there. You can see actually... Um, there's a trailer to Ride the Wave, which is a documentary about my life that was released back in 2020 and uh, some wonderful other things that are on there. So, uh, yep, just go to the website. And we'll put that in the liner notes. Last question that we asked all the fathers, if you can impart, impart a word of wisdom to other fathers, what would it be? Wow. Um, and I, I've said it countless times tonight. Be in the moment. Um, try whatever it is that you need to do to put you in the moment. So you're not dwelling on what happened five minutes ago. You're not preoccupied with the future. Be in the moment. Cause I know with little kids and everything, that's all they're thinking about is being in the moment. So you get involved in that moment with them. And as they get older, whatever is that you'll realize that's where the magic happens. That's where what we all want is a deeper love and connection with our children. It's only going to happen in the magical moments that we create. Thank you so much, Scott, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. And our listeners really appreciate it. Thank you, Rob. It's a pleasure.